Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the show. Um, Different kind of episode for you tonight. If you're tuning in live, obviously you know why. If you're just listening to the audio, you can probably tell by the title. Uh, This is the first live episode that we've ever done over here. So I'm happy to be doing this. I had the idea, well, I've always wanted to do something like this. I actually kind of used to do something like this before I started the Sports Talk with Swag podcast. I um, used to do like in college, I think it was Google Hangouts. You could just like live stream like on Google or something. I honestly don't remember how it worked. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I used to do that every once in a while in college and just like hang with my friends and we talk sports or whatever. And, um, you know, just it was a lot of fun and I'd answer like people's questions, or whatever. So I decided to try to I wanted to try it again. So here we are doing it again um, for sports talk with swag. So I have topics here that I'm going to talk about and I'm just going to cover them. Um, I'm just going into this, assuming that no one is going to watch this live and no one's going to tune into the live stream, which I'm totally fine with, um, because it's two birds with one stone for me. Um, because I'm trying something new and I'm having fun with it, but I also am just getting a regular episode out and recorded uh, just normally, except now there's a camera on me and people can watch me live if they want to. So anyways, we're just going to chug along as if this is a normal episode, but if you are tuning in live, um, if I see people start joining, I'll, I'll mention this again, but I will, if anyone has any questions, I'll take those live and I want this to be as interactive as possible. Um, if you're listening to uh, the audio of this or you're watching the video of this after it's already, you know, happened and is a VOD at this point, um, if you enjoy this kind of thing, let me know and I'll try to do it again a little more often. Um, <clears throat> but if not, um, you know, I might do it again. I might not. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. But right now, I just wanted to give it a shot and uh see how it goes. So without further ado, we'll kind of just get right into the main topic of tonight, uh, which is uh, the NBA playoffs. Um, It's been a while since I've kind of covered anything other than the main series we've been doing on on the show for a while now, uh, the hunt for the best sports city of all time. Um, I know I've kind of done a couple of WWE predictions sprinkled in there, but I haven't talked to NBA in a while, uh, and I wanted to, and what better time than in the midst of the playoffs? Um, so yeah, um, kind of just go through the series, give my predictions. Um, I know that the second round has already started, but, um, better late than never. So let's see. So the first series, the Bucks and the Celtics, um, the that series is tied 1-1. Uh, both wins were pretty much blowouts for both teams. Um, Bucks won, I think, by like I think they both won by 20. Um, if not, I think the Bucks won by a little more than the Celtics in Game One. 
but anyways, so leaving <clears throat> leaving Milwaukee, going back to Boston, tied one one. So you can't ask for much better uh, if you're the Celtics. I mean, obviously you could be going back home two zero, but uh, I don't think anyone saw them going back home two zero. Not even one one. Honestly, I don't think anyone thought that the Celtics would win one in Milwaukee, uh, especially the first game in in the fashion that they did. Um, definitely giving people the the thought and idea that maybe the Celtics are kind of pulling it together and they figured it out a little bit and they're starting to gel a little bit again. Um, so, you know, definitely a lot of hope and, you know, positives uh, if you're a Celtics fan. Um, if you're a Bucks fan, honestly, nothing to worry about because they're the Bucks and they have the best player in the league, um, you know, Giannis and... Um, spoiler alert, I think that he should win MVP. Uh, but you know, at at the end of the day, I think the Bucks are going to win this series. Um, I think the Celtics are going to make it a little bit more competitive than some of us thought they would. I know going into this series before it happened, I thought that the Bucks were going to win 4-1. Um, that's obviously still a possibility, but I think at this point, um, that's not how it's going to end. Um, I think the Celtics are going to make this a little bit more competitive of a series, but, um, you know, I just, I think the Bucks are the better team. And like I said, you know, I think the Celtics, uh, still have a, a bunch to figure out and they're still kind of putting the pieces back together after a pretty dismal end to their regular season. Um, you know, obviously they swept the Pacers in the first round, but I think anyone who faced the Pacers would have swept them just because, they were limping to the finish line um, in that regular season. So, <clears throat> you know, Giannis had a bad game in game one, honestly, for the Bucks. So uh, that doesn't surprise me that the Celtics were able to take advantage and win that game because, you know, as good as a team the Bucks are, they are pretty reliant on Giannis, obviously. Um, and he had a bad game. He just, he shot poorly. Um couldn't do too much to help them so you know when you can contain Giannis even though I can't really chalk that up to the Celtics very much I think Giannis just had a bad game to be honest after you know watching the highlights again um because no one on that no one in the league really can guard Giannis save for maybe uh someone like a Kevin Durant or um, Not many other people, and I think that's why Giannis is dominating so much this year because no one is his size and has his athleticism. I think, you know, maybe in a couple of years, someone like a Zion Williamson uh, could guard him. I mean, maybe Ben Simmons. I think he's a little too short. That's why I think Kevin Durant is the only person who's tall enough that can keep up with him, honestly. Um, but that being said, no one on the Celtics can guard Giannis because it's either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum who are both way too short to guard him um, and he can just dominate them in the post or someone like you know Al Horford who is definitely tall enough and strong enough but Giannis can then just blow by him so if Giannis is posting up Horford might be able to defend him but as soon as he has the ball in transition or he faces up you know I think it's kind of game over for Horford there um and, you know, Aaron Baines and, and Tice are, like, f- fine. But, again, they're I don't think they're nearly the defenders that um, Al Horford is. So, again, no one on that team can guard Giannis. So, <clears throat> you 
he can just take over the game and dominate like he kind of did in game two. Uh, he had a much better game for himself in that game. So that's, I think, why they won and they were able to win pretty easily. And I think as long as he's able to perform at that level the rest of the series, they'll have no trouble getting past the Celtics. Um, because, again, just no one on that team can guard him. Um, you know, the best bet the Celtics have is to try to double team him. Um which could potentially work because, I mean, but they have good shooters on the team. Like you have Chris Middleton, who is an all-star, who's a great all-around player. He's really gotten very good as a three-point shooter, and he's just, again, a great all-around player. So, you know, Giannis can just pass out to him, whatever, have him help. And then Eric Bledsoe as well as their point guard is a very, very talented and underrated player who, again, if he needs to, he can take over on the offense. Um so, you know, I just, I think the Celtics put up a good fight um, in game one and they were able to take a surprising win in that game one. They kind of caught the Bucks off guard. Um, but again, I think it just comes down to Giannis had a bad game. Um, so, you know, on the Celtics side of things, you know, I don't think Kyrie... Uh, him trying to carry the Celtics like he kind of has a lot uh, isn't just I don't think it's going to be enough for them to win uh, and beat the Bucks, you know, because not taking anything away from Kyrie. He's a very talented player. He's, you know, an incredible uh, point guard and scorer and all that stuff. But, you know, they just I just don't think there's enough pieces on that team to beat a team like the Bucks. Uh, I don't know. I just don't see it. I just think that the Celtics have had too many issues. Um, you know, I guess you could say that they've kind of overcome them, but I just, I'm not convinced. I think the sweep of the Pacers and the domination in game one has a lot of people thinking like they figured it out. They're back, you know, they're back to the Celtics of last year who looked so good and, <clears throat> stuff like that but I just I honestly don't buy it um I've just been so skeptical of this Celtics team all year um so I just I don't know I just don't really buy the Celtics chances over the Bucks so I have the Bucks winning the series four to two um I think the Celtics will get one win at home in this stretch of two but then I think it's it's over for the Celtics at this point and the Bucks move on um <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I just don't really see it happening for them, uh, for the Celtics. That is, which is I don't know. I can't really say it's unfortunate because I don't root for the Celtics. I don't really care about them, so I'm fine if they lose. And I like. I would like to see. You know, it's nice to see the Bucks, a team who have never really made it far in the playoffs and haven't been in the playoffs in so long or won a playoff series in so long. You know, it's so nice to see them. It's just a freshening. You know, the East is already so fresh now with LeBron out of it. Um, and just LeBron not in the playoffs, but I think it's especially nice, you know, just having, um, you know, the Bucks make it to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals and potentially make it to the finals. I'll let you know what I think a little later on in the episode. But, um, yeah, I just, I think that the, I think that the Celtics are going to falter. I think their wounds are going to show again, and I just don't think that they're going to have what it takes to beat the Bucks. 
So moving on to the next series uh, in the East, <clears throat> the Raptors and 76ers. Uh, that series is also tied one to one. Um, and those were both pretty similar to the other Eastern uh, East playoff series where Toronto blew out Philadelphia in game one at home in Toronto. And then for a good portion of game two, Philadelphia was blowing out the Raptors, but then um, the Raptors did make a run and a push at the end, but the 76ers were able to hold on and, and win the game. So it didn't have, you know, ended up with a close score. I think they ended up winning by like eight, <clears throat> the 76ers that is, but it looked like a blowout for most of, for most of the game in game two. Um, this one is, it's hard to tell who's going to win. Um, because I think that they're, I think both teams are honestly playing down to each other, if that makes sense. Um, you know, you have the, you know, the 76ers are a great team who have kind of struggled a little bit, you know, coming into the playoffs and then, you know, they were able to handle the Nets uh, pretty handily in the in the first round. I mean, they did have some issues um, with personnel and getting into fights and whatnot, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, they were able to move on and, and win that series. But, you know, they've had their issues just with their team overall with just chemistry and whatnot and people playing to the best of their abilities. You know, when you have a lineup of... Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, it's there's going to be some ego issues, some issues with people just not playing to the best of their abilities. And there's been a lot of question of, you know, how invested people are on that team, um, specifically uh, Jimmy Butler. But he really handled himself well in game two of that series. Um, and you know, put up, I think it was like 30 and 11 or something. And, um, <laughs> Brett Brown, the 76ers coach in the post game press conference saying, um, that wasn't Jimmy Butler out there tonight. That was James Butler, the man he came and took care of business. It wasn't the kid. Jimmy Butler was the man, James Butler, um, which I guess is a good compliment to pay him. But then it, in Jimmy Butler's post game press conference, he, uh, commented about how his birth name is Jimmy. His real name is Jimmy. He was not born James. He was born Jimmy. So it's just a funny thing of that's actually not his real name. His name is Jimmy. Um, but, you know, all that being said, I think both of these teams have their weaknesses. I think they're pretty obvious and their flaws are, are pretty out there. And I think both teams have been playing down to those, to those flaws, you know, so I think these teams both have issues where they can be really inconsistent and, you know, the weakness kind of of the Raptors being either Kyle Lowry showing up or doing absolutely nothing and, you know, either Kawhi Leonard playing really well or, you know, not really playing at all and their classic choking in the playoffs. Um, and then for Philadelphia, like I kind of just mentioned, they have some ego issues and effort issues on their team. And you obviously have health issues as well with Joel Embiid staying healthy and Ben Simmons being, you know, his flaws really being targeted, especially by the Nets of you seeing how he's not a good shooter at all. Um, obviously, he can't shoot threes, doesn't even attempt them. But even his mid-range shot is just like not there. Um, 
he's a great player, but he just has his off court issues and he's a big personality to deal with. Um, but you know, <clears throat> I think all that being said, my main original point of just, you know, the 76ers and the Raptors have their flaws. And I think they're both kind of like their flaws are being shown in the series. And that's how each team has won each game, um, which is un- unfortunate in some ways, but not just because I think this is going to be a competitive, good series. Uh, I think this is the best Toronto team we've seen probably since the Vince Carter era. Um because they had the Chris Bosch era, but he was never going to be able to take that team too far by himself. Um, and no offense to Chris Bosch, he's a great player. It's just that, you know, unless you're like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Carl Malone, you just, as a power forward center, you're not really going to be able to take a team very far on your shoulders alone. Um, but that being said, I do think this is going to be a great, I think this is going to be a better series than Milwaukee and Boston. Um, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I think the keys for each team, I think for the 76ers, you need Joel Embiid to stay healthy. Uh, if he, you know, he looked good in game one and he seemed to be pretty healthy and in good shape and wasn't, you know, out of breath and whatnot. Um, and he had a great game. He looked really good. Um, but then, you know, in game two, barely produced anything. I think he had like four points and four rebounds or something. Um, really didn't look like himself and he just looked pretty winded the entire time. I know he's been dealing with some, uh, you know, foot issues, but also just some, I think some illnesses, maybe some respiratory issues or the flu. Yeah. Cause he was talking about <clears throat> in his post game press conference after game two, he was talking about how, uh, if you've ever had the, uh, the runs, you know what he's going through. So he's obviously dealing with some, some health issues. So they really need, um, you know, him to stay healthy if they want to be able to, you know, make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and especially just to play to the level that he was for most of the regular season where he's putting up, you know, 25, 30, 35 points a game and double-doubles every game and whatnot. Um, you know, they need him to stay healthy. And then outside of that, I mean, you just need one of, you know, the three of, you know, Jimmy Butler or... Uh, ben Simmons or Tobias Harris. You need one of them to also have a good game because you have four all-stars starting on that team. So if you have Joel staying healthy, he's going to play well. He's just a guaranteed, you know, double-double. He'll play well. Um, I think particularly, particularly you need either um, Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris to play well because they're pretty much the only two shooters on that team. Um, so you need, if Joel is healthy and he's having a good game and he's you know, posting up, getting a lot of good down low buckets. Um, he's eventually going to start getting double teamed and they're going to try to defend him, over defend him really. So you need them for him to be able to kick the ball out to someone to sp- spread the floor. And ideally that's going to be Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, because like I just mentioned, Ben Simmons, not a shooter, not a three point shooter. Um, so, you know, you just need one of the other two to be, playing decently well so that they can make their work. And if they can do that and they can spread the floor, I think they're going to win the series. Uh, but obviously everything doesn't always go according to plan. Um, Hey, we finally have a viewer, Josh, what's up? If you're still watching, how's it going, man? Um, yeah. So then on the other side, you know, for the Raptors, they really need, uh, Kyle Lowry to 
play consistently. Uh, as we've seen throughout the playoffs already, and just as people know throughout his career, he has these moments in these games where he kind of just disappears. Uh, you know, it was in their series against the Magic. I can't remember if it was game one or game two. He had zero points, a uh, handful of assists, and he just did not look like he belonged, you know, in the NBA on that team. Honestly, he just looked terrible. Uh, but then he came out in game two and really showed out and played really well. Um, he had like 25 or 30 points, I think, you know, seven or eight assists. So that was definitely the Kyle Lowry that has been the previous all-star. So they need, the Raptors need Kyle Lowry to play at that level consistently. Um, and to, you know, he doesn't have to be scoring all the time and scoring all their points because they have Kawhi Leonard, obviously, and Marcus Salt too. Um, but you know, they need Kyle Lowry to be doing something because when he's not contributing, they're going to lose. It's just ha- that's how it is. No matter how good Kawhi is playing, um, you know, he can score forty-five every night, but that's not going to win them every game. Um, so, number one viewer, yeah, you are. Um, <clears throat> So for those who are joining, we have another viewer now. For those who are just joining, this is the first live episode of the podcast. So I'm just going through some NBA playoff stuff. I got my stuff I want to talk about. But if you have any questions or you want to join in on the conversation, please feel free. I want this to be interactive or whatnot. But if not, if you want to sit back and relax and just enjoy me talking about sports, that's fine too. Um, do you think Lowry has enough stamina? He looks like a struggle bus lately. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's that's the thing is um, he 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 looked very winded in game one of uh, you know against the Magic last series. Um, and I don't know if it's just that he's out of shape or just like if he's getting old or whatnot. Um, but he he just he something looked off with him. Um, and I think that's something that they need to address. And I don't know if it's just he was out of it. He was having a bad game or if he is just slowly getting a little out of shape. He's always been a little more uh, <clears throat> portly, I guess you could say. Uh, my friend Hunter, who's a big Raptors fan, always like to describe him as a bulldog, um, which I think is a great description. Um, you know, so I don't know what that means for him to figure that out to get it to work. Um, but you know, Lowry does need to figure it out and play to the best of his. And if he's having a bad game, I think that the Raptors coach needs to t- take him out because, you know, you may as well give the backup point guard a chance to do better than him. Because, um, I know after game one of the first series against the magic, when he didn't make a single basket and didn't score, their coach was saying, oh, I'm leaving him in and I want him to keep shooting because, you know, shoot or shoot and eventually you're going to make your shot. But like sometimes you don't because he didn't make a single shot. Um, and like I usually agree with that logic of, you know, for instance, a, a Clay Thompson or a Steph Curry who are shooters and they're having a bad game. You know, they're going to eventually make a shot like, yes, keep shooting your shot like you'll make it and you'll start heating up like that's fine. But First of all, I don't really view Kyle Lowry as a shooter first. I think he's better at driving and finishing at the rim. He has a a good shot, but I don't think that's his game. Um, But when it gets to the point that your team is losing and looking bad and it's just kind of messing with the chemistry, honestly, I think it's time you either change the game plan and say you're just the facilitator now and just get your teammates involved 
um, or take him out and let the, you know, let the backups try to do something. I think Corey Joseph is their backup point guard. You know, let him do something. Let him give it a shot. Um, because at the end of the day, Kyle Lowry needs to play better if the Raptors want a chance at making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and kind of like I said, you know, Kawhi Leonard can't do it alone. Um, you know, we saw in game one of this series against 76ers, he scored 45 and they blew him out. But Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry played well in that series as well. So when they're working together, it works out a lot better for them. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard is a great player. Um, he scored, I think, 35 in game two, but they lost and they were down the entire game and down double digits almost the entire game. And Kyle Lowry didn't play well. Um, so I think that while Kawhi Leonard is the best player on that team and he's, you know, their real like only hope at making it past the 76ers, I think Kyle Lowry is the key to them winning. Uh, because Kawhi's going to play great because that's just the player he is. Um, he's an amazing defender, obviously, and he's really coming to his own on offense. So he'll always figure that out. He'll get his offense going. But you need the role players like Kyle Lowry to play better. But on the same note, um, you know, they have other great role players to help on the offense like Marcus Gasol and Pascal Siakam, um, who I think is my pick to be most improved player for this season. Um, but those guys are great too. And so like I'm saying, like if Lowry's not having a good game, get those guys involved because Marcus Ol is a previous all-star. Like he's, he's played in the all-star game before and he, uh, is a good offensive player and not even just as like a score, but like, he's a great passer too. He and his brother both are some of the better passers of big men. I think that this game has seen, to be honest, um, I just, you know, I think they need to get their role players involved and I think Marcus Ol was a, such a great pickup for them at the trade deadline that they need to really try to take more advantage of him, um, especially in games where Joel is not playing well and he's, you know, sick or uh, looking really winded because um, Marcus Ol is, is great and he can kind of, you know, he can spread the floor, he can shoot the three, but he can also post up. Um, and then same with Siakam as a power forward. I think he's great. Uh, as well and can really I think they should try to take advantage of him um, so all that being said um, the Raptors really need Kawhi to keep doing what he's doing but they need Kyle Lowry to step it up and play consistently the 76ers need Embiid to be healthy and they need one of their other stars to have a good game if they want to win um, so all that being said I have the 76ers winning the series four to three simply because um of history of the Raptors having a history of losing and choking in the playoffs. And I just can't help, but let that, you know, cloud my judgment, but I don't think it's clouding it because the Raptors have yet to prove me wrong. So I think that, uh, the 76ers are going to take advantage of that. And I think they're, cause it's hard for me to say who's the better team here. Cause I think they both have such good players and such good teams this year. You know, they were the, they're the two and three seeds, um, but overall, I think the 76ers are just have that slight edge. So I think they're going to win to four to three in that series. Megan Bush, what's the name of that incredible female basketball player again? Do you think she could be the GOAT? Uh, I don't remember. Let me see. She plays at Oregon. Oregon. 
women's basketball. Shoot, what's her name? It's a yeah, Ian. Sabrina Ionescu, Ionescu, Ionescu. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know how to pronounce it, but she she won. So she won the Wooden Award this year, which is the best player in uh, all of college basketball. So she won that this year, um, and she's coming back to Oregon. So she's she's I think a sophomore, maybe a junior, but. A lot of people thought she was going to declare for the WNBA draft, but she decided to come back because they didn't win the championship. She feels like she has unfinished business. Um, so she's coming back, and a lot of people were making comments um, because – so ESP, I think it was ESPN. They tweeted out – they specifically said, like, uh, you know, Sabrina Ionescu, uh, you know, one of the best players in NCAA right now. She had, you know, 15 triple doubles this season, more than any other college basketball player, male or female, has ever had in a season. Like serving up triple doubles is the specific thing they said because then, um, or dishing out triple doubles, something of that along that line. Because then a lot of uh, people on Twitter and Facebook were making comments of like, oh, she should just be in the kitchen serving up dinner or like, you know, uh, dishing out dinner to me or whatever. Um, and I can't remember exactly what her response was, but she just like destroyed all these people and it made me so happy. Um, all that being said though, so <clears throat> do you think she could be the go? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yes. Because like I just said, she just set the record for most triple doubles in college basketball history in one season, male or female of all time. Um, which is obviously something to take note of. Um, and I think she is such a good all-around player because when you look at a lot of the other, like, goats of um, women's basketball, you think of Elena Della Don, uh, Brittany Griner, uh, Sue Bird, um, Lisa Leslie, Candace Sparks. Almost all of those were, like, power forwards or centers. Um, and so they were really good at posting up because, you know, they usually were like six, seven, which is pretty much as tall as you're going to get in the WNBA or in women's basketball in general. And they were just so dominant down low and in the post that that really helped them succeed and be so dominant. But she is such a good all around player. She is a great shooter. She can post up. She has such good court vision. Uh, she's a great passer too. She's just a great all around player. So I think she can for sure, um, you know, be the GOAT 100% because I think I don't think there's any clear-cut GOAT in women's basketball right now like there is in a lot of other sports. Um, I think anyone that I just mentioned, people have an argument for them being the best. It's, it's hard to tell, but, you know, Amaya Moore, you should throw in there too. She's a little closer to an all-around player. But again, she's like a power forward center, so she's, but she's a good shooter too. Anyways, all that being said, um, <clears throat> what about goat female and male? Um, too early to say. I don't like to kind of make predictions and say that kind of stuff. Um, just in the sense that I don't really like, 
like the whole MJ versus LeBron debate and people throwing like Steph Curry in there as well, like in like the top 50 best players of all time. I don't like doing that and think of that because they still have more of their career left to play. And so I'm like, let's just let them finish. And then we can just look at, okay, their career versus their career. Unless it's just like, you know, someone who's just already so surpassed that, you know, in the short time that they've been playing, which I don't think anyone has um, over, over MJ. So, you know, even like in the LeBron MJ debate, I know LeBron's career is coming to an end and it's slowing down. I still don't really like to think of that comparison very much because you just don't know what's going to happen because, you know, Michael retired in 99, I think. And everyone thought like, all right, he's done. That's it. That's his career. He retired for the second time, you know, we're moving on. He's, he's probably the goat. He's probably the best player we've ever seen play. This is, you know, incredible. But then he came back to three years later, played for the wizards. He was 38, 39, 40 years old when he was playing and he's, and in his, so he played two years for the wizards. The first year he played for them, his first year back, um, he like missed a bunch of games and he was kind of injured and, you know, just was like, a lot of people were just like, Ooh, like maybe you should have stayed retired. Like, looks like you've, you know, you kind of lost it a little bit and all of this like hate coming. And like, Michael was so mad and like upset by that. And so frustrated with himself as well that he came back the next year and didn't miss a single game, played every single game that season at 39. I think I think he was 39 and then turned 40 that season. Played every single game and averaged 20 points a game. Like, what is that? Like, this guy who retired two times already had just gone on another run of three championships in a row, retired, takes three years off, is doing who knows what, probably just playing a bunch of golf. Um and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm going to come back and play basketball again. And then I was like, all right. And then he's like, and then he gets signed by the Wizards. And everyone's like, all right, this is a joke. Like, what is this? And then he not only like he has like a bad first season, like I said, but then comes back the next year at 40 years old and has an incredible season. And he was an all-star and like deserved it. Like he was playing at all-star level at 40 years old. Um, so all that being said, I'm not going to compare LeBron and MJ until LeBron is officially done and gone and has retired. Um, because who knows, they could this offseason get Anthony Davis or they could get, you know, um, Kyrie Irving, whoever they could get us or Kawhi Leonard, whoever they could get a star and it could totally change things around and they could get another championship or two or three, whatever, or the zero, who knows? But all that being said, um, it's hard to say if anyone's going to be the GOAT before they've even played professionally and they're still in college. So to answer your question, Megan, I think she for sure has potential to be the GOAT in the WNBA once she gets there. Um, I think for sure, you know, we'll see how her career turns out, but I think she definitely has potential to be one of the best basketball players, male or female, of all time. Um, I think Maya Moore is up there. I think Elena Deladon is up there. I think... Sue Bird is up there as some of the best basketball players of all time. Um, I actually saw, <clears throat> I actually saw this video on Twitter today uh, that made me smile. So I was so happy to see it. It was 
a former D2 men's basketball player uh, challenged. He thought that he could beat, oh, shoot, I can't remember her name. Something Brown. It was D Brown's daughter. And if you know basketball, you know D Brown played for the Celtics. He won the dunk contest one time. He was, you know, a great player. His daughter, um, this D2, former D2 player, said he he was like, I can beat you. Like, I challenge you to a one-on-one. And she just dominated him. He didn't score a single point. She was shooting over him, driving by him, like breaking his ankles. It was hilarious. I loved watching it. Um, but all that being said, uh, I don't know. Um, some more comments we got. Sue Bizzer, I'm so excited to see this. Oh, thanks for stopping by, Sue. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be doing this. It's a lot of fun. That live feed, though. Yeah, we're getting some good comments in here. I like this a lot. like being interactive. Josh says, LBJ has it in the bag if you compare them as an athlete as a whole, including off the court. Then it's a no-brainer. You almost can't compare, though, because basketball has changed so much, even just from an analytical perspective. 100%. I totally agree, Josh. Um, I think as an athlete, as a brand, and as just like a person slash human being, LeBron is leaps and bounds over Michael Jordan because LeBron has not had a single scandal on or off the, well, I shouldn't say on, well, it's not really a scandal. Anyways, off the court, LeBron has not had a single scandal or remote, like, ooh, that was questionable ever his entire career. Um, And the stature that he's at and the position he's in as being, I'd say, probably the number three most recognizable sports name in the world right now behind Messi and Ronaldo, I think it's LeBron and just the microscope that he's under every single minute of every day, whether he's playing basketball or not um, to where people are, you know, where sports center is posting pictures of who he just followed on Instagram um, and he, to not have a single scandal or anyone you know, questioning what he's doing is incredible. And I think Michael had a couple of things of those things. You know, he was known as a huge and sometimes dangerous gambler who loved gambling sometimes too much. And to the point that which a lot of people, there's a conspiracy out there that think when he retired uh, the first time in 94, those two years that he took off, a lot of people think that he was forced into retirement and was basically suspended for those two years because of his gambling issues. Um, and because it gotten like so out of hand, but they like kept a hush hush because he's Michael Jordan. Um, and then let him come back after two years. I don't know, but all that being said, um, you know, and Michael is obviously known as a questionable teammate as well. Uh, just ask Steve Kerr who got punched in the face by Michael Jordan during practice. Um, you know, LeBron's never done anything like that. And just what he's done with his fame and his money, you know, starting his own school. First of all, he started his own school in Akron. And second of all, I don't know if people saw this, but a couple of weeks ago, there are like test scores and like analytics came back as like the first returns or whatever. And they were like through the roof. They were way higher than any expectations that people had for the school. Like the kids were testing so much higher and so much better than they were expected to. And it's just like, you just love to see that happen. Um, so yeah, Josh, I totally agree. I think when you consider off the court as well, and just as an athlete, I think you, yeah, I think it definitely goes to LeBron, just physically speaking as well, you know, of being a six, eight 
probably 260, 270 pound guy who can move the ball so well and like drive to the rim. And it's just like a freight train coming at you. Um, very impressive. Um, but yeah, but outside of that though, I still, when you're just considering like who is the best basketball player of all time, I don't like to have that conversation yet. Um, because Michael, I mean, cause LeBron's playing career is still happening. And like I was just saying, anything can happen, uh, in that time. Uh, <clears throat> you see those questions guys and comments, keep them coming if you want. If not, I'm going to, I'm going to move on here, um, in the playoffs and then I'll kind of get to more questions and comments, but um, over on the West, the Nuggets and the Blazers are playing. <clears throat> the Nuggets are up 1-0. They're playing again tonight, actually, at the time of recording. Uh, but the Nuggets won the first game 121-113 to 113, um, in a series that I think a lot of people are kind of writing the Nuggets off, <clears throat> myself included, because they barely beat the Spurs, who are a seven seed, who, you know, outside of DeMar DeRozan have... Uh, when you look at the Spurs starting lineup and you move past DeMar DeRozan, not a lot of names that you recognize, even outside of the starting lineup. Um, <clears throat> but all that being said, the Nuggets did win the first game, but I think Nikola Jokic was the main reason that they won that. Um, he kind of had his way. I think he had like 37 points and like 11 rebounds, six assists. Just classic Nikola Jokic numbers, um, <clears throat> but I think he's going to be the deciding the deciding factor of the series uh, as a whole because he's far and away the best player in the Nuggets. And if he wasn't on that team, they I don't think would even be in the playoffs uh, because their next best player is Jamal Murray, I guess, and then Gary Harris. Neither of which I don't think will ever be All Stars like in their career. So, you know he kind of had his way and unfortunately the Blazers don't really have anyone to guard him. I mean, I guess you could say Enos Cantor, but like, yikes, if that's your best defensive threat to Jokic, um, Lillard and McCollum both like played good games against Denver, but they just, they're not going to be enough, uh, to, to carry them. Like they were able to over the, uh, thunder. So they need, a role player, you know, like a Al Farouk Amino or a Mo Harkless um, or I'm trying to think of who else, <clears throat> even someone like Enos Cantor. They need someone like that to to step up and, and assist, you know, um, McCollum and Lillard because those guys can shoot the lights out and play so well like they did in game one, but it's just not going to be enough, uh, especially defensively because that was their big blunder. Uh, the Blazers did not really play well uh, defensively against that against the Nuggets, and I think that's either going to win or lose them that series. Um, you know, Enos Cantor had a great game one. He had like twenty four and eleven, I think, which are crazy numbers for him. Um, so he needs to keep doing that if he keeps playing that well. And again, if just one person like a Mo Harkless or Amino you know, even just scores like ten points, and it's just like a good filler for them just does classic good role player stuff I think they're going to be looking real good um you know they both shot really well so you could say that the defense was kind of bad on both sides Denver shot 50.6 percent in the game uh, and Portland shot 52 percent so 
technically Denver's defense was worse, but the Blazers lost. So I don't think when you look at the teams overall, I don't think that the Nuggets are the better team. I think the Blazers are the better team. I think it just, again, all depends on how Jokic plays. And if he plays like he did in game one and the Blazers aren't don't have any answers, I think the Nuggets are going to win. But I think the Blizzards are going to figure it out. I do think they're the better team. I think, you know, they're uh, a very underrated four seed. Uh, so, or, no, sorry, three seed. Um, were they the three seed? Oh, my gosh. Yes, they were the three seed because the Thunder were the six seed. Um I think they're a better team than the Nuggets. Uh, so I have Portland winning that series four to two. Um, I think I think the Blazers have a good chance of stealing tonight's game in Denver, and then I think they'll win both at home because they're very good at home. Um, so I think you know Lillard's going to have a game that he pops off again and gets forty or fifty points, um, and I think he's going to will them to win this series, um, which I love. I just love Damian Lillard. Um, he's such a good guy. He's such a great player. He's not about, you know, the super teams or anything like that. Like he said multiple times, like I am here for the city. I'm try- here to try to win Portland a championship. And he's like said multiple times, he's doesn't plan on ever leaving that city, which I think is awesome. I think that's pretty old school basketball too of him, which you always like to see. It's very refreshing in this new modern era. Um, but yeah, all that being said, I have the Blazers winning that series four to two. Uh, Sue asks, what do you think is the solution to the three point obsession? Do you think it's a problem? Statistically shooting a three is now more efficient than a two based on NBA shot making. Ugh, Sue, you are pulling at my heartstrings because this has been an issue for me, uh, since like 2012 when Steph Curry just kind of blew up as a player. Um, and he completely revolutionize the game of basketball as we know it. Um, I'm going to take this one at a time. What do you think is the solution to the three-point obsession? My solution, which I've been very vocal about on this show, if you listen, if you've been a long-time listener, you know this is how I feel. My solution, get rid of the three-point line. Just do away with it. So there's no three-point shots. Let's see what happens then. Because the league started with no three-point line and people weren't obsessed with shooting threes and... You had people like, you know, uh, like Jerry West or Gail Goodrich or Bob Cousy who were shooters and they shot. And a lot of people think that their statistics and numbers would be higher in today's NBA because a lot of the shots they were taking were at three point range. But it's before there was a three point line, but they weren't. It was just that was the good shot. That was the shot that they were taking because it was the best shot to take, not this pure obsession over taking threes um so that's honestly my bold and uh emphatic solution is just to do away with the three-point line so that people aren't you can't be obsessed with anymore because you know some people are definitely gonna still be taking shots like i think regardless i think steph curry's gonna be taking he's a jump shoot he's a shooter so that's what he's gonna do he's gonna take jump shots his entire career but you won't have these seven foot five 350 pound centers who are consistently trying to back up to the three-point line and shoot threes when it's like, okay, there's no real centers in the league anymore because they all refuse to post up and play the post game down low and they just want to shoot threes, Um, which to me is just so frustrating to see because you have a player like 
a Brooke Lopez. He used to be on the Nets. He's on the Bucks now. He used to never shoot threes. He would sometimes, you know, shoot elbow shooter, elbow jump shots, kind of like a Kevin Garnett, um, where he can stretch the floor because he can stick an elbow jumper, you know, 15, 20 foot shot. Great. I'm all about that. I think that's great. It spreads the floor. It, you know, gives space to the guards to try to drive. All about it. Love it. But then when you have players like Brooke Lopez, who are not three-point shooters, never take three-point shots, are pretty good down low as a post player. And then now in today's league, he's taking four threes a game. And you always just see him camping in the corner for the three. Just like, what are you doing? Like, this is not your game. And like, I get you have to adjust to today's NBA and like you have to adjust the way that the game does. But it's just so frustrating to me because... It's just like you said, there's, it's just a pure obsession with shooting threes. Um, and like you say, this, the statistics prove it. Um, you know, you just even you look at James Harden um, as a player. And I know a lot of people hate him as a player. I don't really like him either, even though he plays on my favorite team. Um, he alone this season took over a thousand three pointers. What? What is that? A thousand three-pointers for one player attempted? It's insane. It was crazy to think a couple of years ago that Steph Curry was taking like six or seven hundred. And I was like, that's too many. And now we're up to the thousands. The thousands? Uh, huh? No thanks. Don't like it. Uh, that's too much. Um, he and the Rockets as a team took more threes than two-point shots and that's like jump shots layups dunks all those combined they took more threes than that and I just think that's absurd because you even look at something like the um, all-star game the all-star game used to be so good and so uh, entertaining and fun to watch because it was just like all right here we go it's dunk contest part two it's just going to be alley-oop after alley-oop after windmill dunk, you know, between the legs, 360 dunks, mid-game, alley-oop to yourself off the backboard. Oh, my gosh. And now it's just literally five guys standing at the three-point line, all taking threes, regardless of who you are. You know, you have, like, centers, again, seven foot three guys who in the regular season even are taking threes. And it's just, they're just camping at the three point line. It's just so boring. I'm like the three point contest is already boring enough. We don't need a five on five, three point contest for 48 minutes. No, thanks. I didn't sign up for that. I don't want that. Um, so, all that being said, <clears throat> my solution, take away the three-point line. Uh, do you think it's a problem? Absolutely, I do. Uh, statistically, shooting a three is now more efficient than a two. Uh, more efficient as in from a point per shot also will add value to non-guards. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, it's definitely right because like I said, you know, with someone like a Brook Lopez who adapts and he has a three-point shot now and it's not like he's taking three threes a game and missing all of them. He's making like, I think, uh, like 30% of them, which is a good conversion rate for a three-point shot. So it's like, yeah, man, shoot your shot, dude. Like if you're going to be open, you're going to make the shot, take it. I just think it's sad that we've gotten to the point where everyone is now shooting threes and it's not a specialty. You know, even... 
no, I can't say about 10 years ago, 2009, you had someone like a Ray Allen who's considered a specialist. He was a three point specialist. That was what he was known for. That was what he was good at. And it was like, you know, you needed people and players like that because it had helped your, your team. And it was a good addition. So you had someone like Ray Allen joining the Celtics in, you know, 2008 and they're able to win the championship because he's a great three point shooter for them. And he is the player who can come off of screens and shoot the off ball, you know, coming off the screen threes and he can, camp in the corner and shoot those corner threes for you while you have Kevin Garnett down low or maybe spacing the floor out to 15, 20 feet out at the elbow. And you have people like Paul Pierce who are all around and they can spread the floor as well because they're driving, they're shooting, they're getting fouled. You have Rondo who's just this visionary on the court who's making all these incredible passes and fancy moves. And it's just, that's like, that's good basketball. That's like well-rounded, but now it's just everyone shoot threes, practice your threes over the summer. So you can get better at shooting threes because we just need to make more threes than the Warriors and the Rockets. And that's how you win now. I don't know. I just, it frustrates me sometimes. Um, all the three point stuff. I don't, I don't like where it's gone. Um, obviously the NBA is never going to do away with the three point line. Um, but I just think. I think that is the only way they're going to do away with it because you also look at the big problem in the NBA right now is flopping of people accentuating contact or even non-contact and making it look like they were just hit with a KO punch by Mike Tyson in his prime. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people are specifically singling out, you know, James Harden, who um, Scott Van Pelt actually had a really good segment on his show after game two the other night where he took a look at wide open James Harden three-point shots and he pretty much just goes up and down, takes off and lands in the same spot on the court. And then when he's being guarded more closely and someone's kind of up in his face guarding him, he takes off here and he lands here. So he's jumping forward, he's sticking his legs out, he's contorting his body so that he can get hit. Um, and so I think that's a big problem in the NBA right now, too, is not only just when you're driving and you're just everyone's just going like that and throwing their head back when they're driving. You have players, too, when they're shooting, you know, they're they're if these are their legs when they jump. Normally, it's like that, but they're like going like that and like kicking their legs out so they can get hit and fall on the ground and get flopped, um, which is just it's it's frustrating to watch. Um because it's the same as three-point lines. It's just people are becoming obsessed with it. And it's just not enjoyable uh, to watch. It's just you're consistently watching people kick their legs out shooting threes. That's what the NBA is right now. And it's very disheartening. Which is why it's so refreshing, like I said at the beginning of this episode, to watch a team like the Milwaukee Bucks. Who I don't think really anyone on their team does it. Their main superstar barely shoots threes. He's a good post-up and driving player who is so exciting to watch because he he doesn't shoot threes and he doesn't flop. He's just, he knows what he's good at and that's what he does and he dominates and potentially wins the MVP. Woo! Thank you for that question, Sue. That really got me going. Uh, Keller. What's up, dude? Is this the healthiest each major pro sport has been since our generation from a lack of dynasty and general competition? The healthiest each major pro sport has been. Uh, do you mean healthiest like like medically, like physically, or as in like 
you know, the league, like the NBA or the MLB is the healthiest it's been. And it's like fresh. Um, I guess I'll just answer both. Um, well, because you said from a lack of dynasty in general competition, um, in that sense, kind of talking in that sense, um, it's hard to say because it's, it's hard to leave bias out because as a New York Giants fan, uh, and as a New York sports fan for the NFL, I'd say, no, it's extremely unhealthy because you have the Patriots going to the Super Bowl every other year and winning every other year. Um, but when I try to take my bias out of it, you know, uh, I don't look, I don't, I don't view them as a dynasty though. Patriots dynasty no longer guarantees a win. No, yeah, you're right. I agree. Um, drafts are interesting for sure. No, yeah, I, I, I do think, um, I'm trying to think so like the NFL, the best team consistently has been the Patriots, but that dynasty is coming to an end, obviously. Um, and outside of them, there haven't been too many other like dynasties that are consistently, you know, just like annoyingly winning. Uh, baseball is definitely the healthiest it's ever been because the Yankees aren't winning every other world series and going to the world series every year. Um, which is hard to watch as a Yankees fan, but I appreciate it for the health of the league. Um, but yeah, you don't have teams like, you know, the main complaint of the Yankees 10 years ago, 15 years ago was they can buy whoever they want and they're just buying their way to the world series for sure. Not true anymore. Um, and I don't think that's true of any team in the MLB. Um, even though you have teams like the Phillies spending $350 million on a player or the angels spending $430 million on a player, you know, it's not guaranteed. I don't think either of those teams are making it to the World Series this year. Um, <clears throat> the NFL, uh, yes, I just did the NFL as well. Um, NBA, I mean, I, I, NBA, I think it's also healthy because, um, you know, they, Warriors are hot, but more than two teams have a chance. Yeah, for sure. Um, the NBA, the Warriors are the dynasty. And that's fine when you have one dynasty in an entire league. I don't mind that. It's exciting, especially in the NBA, because there's usually a dynasty at one point or another in the NBA. That's just how the league works. That's how the free agency in the NBA works. It, it is the free agency works to create dynasties. Um, and so, you know, you have the Warriors right now. Before them, it was the Heat. Before them, it was the Celtics and Lakers. Before them, it was the Spurs. Before them, it was the Pistons. Before them, it was the Bulls. So you always have one kind of dynasty that's doing their thing. Um, but it's healthy, though, because it's not just like... Although, granted, I think we did just get out of an unhealthy period where we saw... <laughs> Uh, LeBron in eight straight finals, but that's not unhealthy. It's just, he's, he is so good because he took the, the heat to four straight finals. And then he took the Cavs to four straight finals. And while we saw the Cavs versus the Warriors in four straight finals, it wasn't the same result every time. And each series was very different from the other. Um, so yeah, I think, and then the NHL, I don't think there really is such a thing as dynasties, to be honest. You have great players like Ovi and Crosby and um, people like that, but you need more than just one player in the NHL, I think, to take a team to the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I think <clears throat> I agree. I, th I think this is the healthiest time for all the leagues right now because there's no dynasties. I think going into kind of, you know, 2019, 
there's no dynasties that are consistently just like, okay, here we go again. Um, you know, with the Warriors, they, you know, they kind of change the game. Um, so it's a little easier to, you know, watch that happen and whatnot, um, especially going into this year of it not being a guarantee that they're going to make it to the finals, even though I still think they will. Um, and I definitely don't think it's a guarantee that they're going to win the finals this year. Um, and then with the Patriots, like we've said, you know, they are, um, they're on their way down, you know, Tom Brady's getting older and older, but somehow younger and younger at the same time. Um, but the Patriots are on their way down. I think, I hope, uh, dear God, please let them be on their way down. Uh, but you know, you have teams like the Rams who are on their way up and descending, um, the Eagles making, you know, being competitive, uh, the Redskins having an incredible draft this year. Um, they could be on their way to success. Um, so, you know, and then the giants having a, wow, what was that draft kind of year? So it'll be a while for the giants. Um, but anyways, Oh, giants, Dave Gettleman, what are you doing? Josh says Nashville NFL draft for the win for sure. Dude. I agree. I think having the draft not be in New York finally, uh, but especially, uh, Nashville was definitely the right move. Um, I think it's hilarious that there were so many, uh, bachelorette parties that were ruined by it because <laughs> a you're in Nashville, which is the number one tourist city in the country right now. It just overtook Vegas for bachelor and bachelorette parties. Um, so there's going to be other things going on. It's an up and coming hip city. And, um, the NFL draft has been announced to be there for, I think two, maybe three years. So, uh, do your research and, uh, you won't be so upset next time. Um, but I don't know. I just thought that was hilarious because it's like, I mean, I kind of feel bad for you, but at the same time, whoever your maid of honor was just do a little more research into what's going on that weekend in the city you're going to. And you would have seen, Hey, there's going to be tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people in the streets that are going to be, uh, occupying a couple of the bars that you want to go to. So that's on you. But anyways, all that being said, um, yeah, I think this is definitely the healthiest each major pro sport has been. Um, Tyreek Hill untouchable now. Uh, I mean, I think he should be, but we'll see because this is the NFL and they care more about Josh Gordon smoking a joint than Tyreek Hill breaking his three-year-old son's arm and telling his wife, you should be terrified of me. Um, consistently since it's been, since the NFL has been incepted or whatever you want to say, um, you know, the NFL has specifically cared more about their anti anti-drug use policy than their anti-domestic abuse policy, which I still don't really think even exists. Um, I think Tyree kill should have been immediately cut from the chiefs. I don't know why they're still holding on to him and why they only suspended him. And I think he should never play a snap of professional football again in his life. Um, you know, if it came to light to my manager tomorrow that I broke my three-year-old son's arm and audio of me yelling at my fiance and telling her you should be terrified of me came to light. 
I think I'd be fired. I don't think they'd be like, hey, you're suspended two days with pay. You better change your attitude, young man. We don't like what you're doing. And then I come back and I just keep working like I never left. Um, So I think he should be, you know, kicked off and should never play again. But I can't remember who I was talking to. It may have been you, Keller. No, it was my friends uh, from college over the weekend, and we were talking about Tyreek Hill. And one of my friends, I won't mention his name, but one of my friends who's a Redskins fan said, um, you know, he was saying, for the Chiefs, I think they hold on to him. Let this blow over because in two weeks, no one's going to care, and you get to hold on to one of the best offensive players in the league right now. And my initial reaction was just like, what is wrong with you? You're so messed up. That's so wrong. But then when you think about it from a business standpoint and from just a realistic standpoint, he is 100% right that if the Chiefs just do what they've done so far in suspending him to get some generally good PR of giving him a slap on the wrist, let the NFL handle their investigation in which they're going to find nothing wrong with what he did. They'll suspend him maybe two more games. And then... We'll move on. It, it's already not in the news anymore. People have already moved on from it until the NFL concludes their investigation. But once the regular season starts and after he serves his suspension, people are going to move right on and they're not going to care because he's really good for their fantasy team and he gets them 20 points a game. And that's just the sad state of the NFL right now, honestly. Um, they, again, for whatever reason, Josh Gordon, I, I keep singling him out because I think his NFL career is done. Um, for whatever reason, they think that him smoking weed is far worse than people beating and injuring their kids and spouses because he was suspended, I think, eight games the first time, a full season the second time, and then was like let go from the team. And if he, I think, like, gets caught again or something, then he's, like, done. And, like, it's, like, lifetime ban. And I'm, like, and yet there's video proof of this guy breaking his kid's arm. There's audio proof of him telling his wife, you need to be terrified of me. And he gets a two-game suspension slap on the wrist, and we're just going to move on? Uh, huh? What? No, thanks. That's not right. That doesn't make any sense. I don't like that. Tyree Kill should be untouchable now, but will probably still be on the Chiefs. If not, will be on some other team for sure by the beginning of the season. I have no doubt we will see Tyree Kill in the NFL this season. Megan says, what's not getting media attention? Bachelorette parties that went to Nashville for the draft. Dude, you're right. Good point. Um, yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. There's definitely, I think there's really only one specific bachelor party that's getting media attention because the NF, the, the, you know, the media was there covering the draft and they saw, like they came upon this bachelor party that was visibly upset and angry and they interviewed them and it kind of went a little bit viral. Um, but I'm, and I'm sure there's bachelor parties that were there too, that were like, what the heck the NFL draft is here. I don't give a crap about the NFL. This is ruining my bachelor party. Um, you're totally right. Um, there's definitely 
bachelorette parties that went there for the draft. Um, but all that being said, if you're a guy or a girl, whatever you're doing, just do more research into where you're going for the weekend to make sure there's not a huge media sports event happening the entire weekend in that city. Um, <clears throat> thanks for the questions, guys. Keep them coming. Keep the comments coming. Thanks for sticking around. We're going to keep going. Um, there's a little lull in the comments section, so I'm going to move on to the last series of the NBA playoffs, which is the beloved Golden State Warriors. Just kidding. Um, and they are up 2-0 over my Houston Rockets. Um, quite unfortunate start to the series as a Rockets fan. But, um, yeah, Golden State just looks like the better team. Uh, but when it really comes to it, uh, Kevin Durant looks like the better player here. Uh, he is on another level right now. He is proving why he is one of the best players in the league right now. Um, my I consider to be the still the best player in the NBA right now. Um, basically, what James Harden was doing in the regular season, Kevin Durant is doing where it counts most in the postseason and the playoffs. Um He's averaging, I think, over 35 a game in the playoffs, um, <clears throat> is willing this team to, to victory, um, just scoring any time that he so chooses. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day when I was thinking about the MVP race between uh, Giannis and James Harden. Uh, my pick, spoiler alert for when I do the uh, my end-of-year awards show, but... Uh, my pick is for Giannis to win the MVP because I think he's just better. I think what he's doing in the league and for that team is insane, and I think he's the better player. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, um, you know, I think if Kevin Durant wasn't on the Warriors, if he was on a team like the Bucks or you know, like the the Pistons or the Knicks, even. Well, um, I think he'd be getting MVP every single year because I think far and away he is the best player. And I think people have kind of forgotten about that since he joined the Warriors and he doesn't have to be the best player on that team or in the league for them, them to win because literally everyone in their starting lineup is an all-star. Um, <clears throat> but so he doesn't have to be this Kevin Durant that we're seeing in the playoffs. He doesn't have to be that all the time for them to win. So I think people forget how incredibly offensively and defensively skilled he is. You're, we've seen it in the playoffs against the Clippers and now against the, the Rockets. He's just getting any any basket he wants. If he wants to shoot a three, he'll shoot a three and he'll make it. He'll post up on you. He'll drive right by you. He'll um, drive and get fouled and make the free throws. He will post up on you and then do a Dirk fadeaway and make it. It's just he can score from anywhere on the floor that he wants to whenever he wants to. Um, and he's just embarrassing defenses that he plays right now. So I think he is for sure the key to the Warriors winning. I think if he wasn't on that team, I don't think the Warriors would be the number one seed. I don't think they would be able to beat the Rockets, and I don't think they would be making it to the finals. But here we are. Kevin Durant is on the Warriors, so I, I think they're going to the finals again, uh, and I think they'll compete for the championship again. Um Looking at my notes. Um, I think obviously the big talking points and the big question right now in the series is are the refs 
giving the series to the Warriors? Are they favoring the Warriors over the Rockets? Are they screwing the Rockets again, quote unquote, uh, out of a championship run? Um, a lot of Rockets fans think so. Um, a lot of NBA fans are sick of it. Uh, I am sick of it as a Rockets fan. You know, it's <clears throat> like I was saying earlier, it's hard to take bias out of it. Naturally, when I'm watching the game as a Rockets fan, yeah, I'm going to think that they're getting some unfair calls against them or not called on them. I think for sure in game one, there was a bunch of no calls that the NBA and the referees themselves admitted to missing. Um, so you can't argue that. Uh, but I think there's a lot of calls that were good no calls uh, that shouldn't have been called. And I think that the Rockets, you know, it's interesting. It was <clears throat> a report that they did got leaked uh, earlier this week or last week that they audited the Western Conference Finals last year where the Rockets played the Warriors and ended up losing. And they found like in, I think it was game seven, that the referees missed like 40 calls or something, which would have... Was, I don't know, something, maybe it was a series, but they're like, you cost us the championship, you cost us the finals, and you cost us uh, $80 million or $20 million in revenue. I guess that would just be like ticket and merch sales if they made it to the finals. Um, and the Rockets just were humiliated on the internet and in the media for that coming to light, um, which I think is fair because I think it's, you know, a little ridiculous. I think that is taking it to a bit of an extreme of doing an audit of a game from a year ago um, that, you know, I think they were losing anyway because they didn't have Chris Paul and he was injured. So I think as soon as he went down, no one thought they were going to win that series. You could think that the Warriors were handed it by the refs, but I personally think that the Warriors were just the better team. And I think they're now showing to be the better team this year as well. Um, but, you know, it's just in the public eye and in the media and in the day of social media, it's really hard to get upset about something, you know, with the Rockets consistently thinking that Scott Foster, who's an NBA ref, has it out for them and is consistently calling the Warriors uh, and giving the games to the Warriors over the Rockets and that they're getting a lot of missed calls and whatnot. But a lot of people chalking that up to the way that James Harden plays that's kind of just a whole other thing. I, I, I've already gone on too long about it. I don't really want to talk too much more about it, but it's just a very frustrating thing, regardless of if you think the Rockets are getting screwed out or not. It's just it overtakes the games. That's all people care about or talk about or focus on in the games. It's all people care about in the media and on the Internet, and it's just I'm so sick of that's all we're talking about. I just want to focus on the basketball, who's playing better, who's the better team, you know, all that stuff. So... Um, all that being said, you know, I think I would love for us to just get back to basketball and stop talking about the refs so much. Um, so he says, do you think Clay Thompson could have his own team or is he only a role player? Oh, I've said this a couple times on the show. Um, I think that Clay Thompson is a better shooter than Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is a better player. I think he's a better scorer overall, but I think Clay Thompson is a better shooter. When you look at him, um, and when he gets hot, it's it's insane what he does. And I think that he's just a better a better shooter than Steph because I think Clay takes smarter and better shots and more efficient shots. He's not afraid to shoot mid-range jump shots, which you'd think that Steph Curry literally has an allergy to because he just never takes them. Um, so 
I for sure think Clay Thompson can have his own team. Um, I think at this point he may be a little past that. Um, maybe like two years ago, if he went to his own team, for sure could have been a, a you know a contender, could have been a contender. Um, but yeah, I think 100% he could have his own team. I think he's much more than a role player. I think again with the whole Kevin Durant thing, when you look at it with Clay Thompson as well. Um, I think he's just being overshadowed by everyone else on that Warriors team that he's played with. So uh, it kind of goes under the radar of just how good he is. And that's obviously just my opinion. Um, It's not fact. I haven't looked specifically into the statistics to see who's an actual better shooter. But I do think if Clay was on his own team, I think it would be kind of like a 2009 Thunder situation where you have James Harden, who's this great sixth man. He's a great role player. He can help you off the bench, get points gets traded to the Rockets and is all of a sudden MVP contender every year and one of the best scorers in the league um, and is now at the point where he is now. I think Klay Thompson, very similar situation where if at one point he was traded from the Warriors or left them a couple years ago, I think he could have been in a very similar situation because I think he's an extremely talented uh, offensive player. Um, So all that being said, kind of going back to this series, for the Rockets to win, because for the Warriors to win, they just need to keep doing what they're doing. They're up 2-0. They're going you know, into Houston um, up 2-0. They already have home court advantage. They kept home court advantage winning those two games. Um, so for Houston to win, they need P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella, uh, Gerald Green, Austin Rivers, any of those guys to step up and play better than they have been because – um, PJ and Clint both had awful game game ones. Uh, Clint, I think, had like four points and two rebounds, and PJ Tucker had zero points and like three rebounds. But then in game two, PJ had like 17 and 11. Clint had like 14 and 11, so they played a lot better. Um, Austin Rivers obviously didn't play game one because he was sick, but he came back, had a good game two. Um, but I, and I think the only reason that the Rockets lost game two was because Harden was playing pretty much blind the entire game. Um, For those of you who aren't aware of what happened, uh, pretty early in the game, um, Harden was accidentally poked, I think, in both eyes. Um, And basically he said, like after the game, he said, I couldn't see anything on the floor, but he played pretty much the entire rest of the game um, blind. So I think that very much hindered his playing and their chances to win the game. Because like I said, all their role players really stepped up in that game um, and played a lot better than in game one. So they need their role players to keep playing that well. You know, Eric Gordon has been playing well. They need him to stay hot. Um, I think the other key for the Rockets is they need to play Kenneth Fareed and they need to play him more. He didn't play a single minute in game one. Um, did not play much in the Utah series. And in game two, he played five minutes. Um, I think he's such an incredible and important player on this team. I think he's a great role player for them to give Clint Capella rest. And I think he has much more to offer this team than Nene does at this point in his career. Um, But they're consistently playing Nene, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a game. And Kenneth Reed, if he plays, only plays five minutes. Um, He's not going to come in and light it up for you, but he'll come in and he'll give you Um, a presence down low where he can score down low. He's an incredible rebounder. He used to be one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. Um, When he first came to the team, when he first signed with them, um, like in the last third of the season, 
he was a great boost for them. He was exactly what they needed. He brought a lot of energy and spark um, and excitement to the team, and he was just so excited to be playing again. And then since the playoffs have started, Mike D'Antoni has just like kind of stopped playing him, and I don't like I don't agree with that uh, decision. I think Fareed needs to play more. I think he's a great defender. You don't need him on offense because you have so many offensive pieces on that team already. So I say play Fareed more than Dene. You can rely on your other guys for offense. You can keep him for defense and for rebounds because that's all you need. Um, and I think that'll help them out a lot. Um, all in all, though, I think <clears throat> at this point, going into the season, going into the series, after each first round series, I thought the Rockets were going to win this series in seven games. Uh, but now, with all this referee stuff going on, and with just how the teams have played. I think Houston needed to take one in Golden State. So at this point, I have Golden State winning four to two. Um, I think the Rockets will win one game at home, but I think the Warriors are going to steal one, and then they'll win the last deciding game. Um, I know they'd have to win the last one away. I guess the Rockets, yeah. Um, doesn't change my mind. I still think the Rockets are going to lose. I think Warriors win it for you again, just because they're playing so much better now. Durant is on another level. Um, again, if Durant wasn't on this team, I don't think the Warriors are the number one or the number one seed, and I don't think that they uh, would have a chance, honestly, against the Rockets because the Warriors were crashing and burning at the end of the regular season. But <clears throat> I've since kind of picked it up and put the pieces together since then. Um, but yeah, so those are all of the NBA uh, playoff series going on right now. Um, that's all I have for NBA. I have some other stuff I can talk about that I wanted to get to, but I would love there's a couple people still here watching. If you have any comments or questions you want me to get to, I'm going to drink some water because I'm extremely parched and my throat is dry. But if you have anything you want to add, again, this is a very interactive stream. So any other stuff you want to say, or if not, You'll just watch me drink water and I'll keep going with what I want to talk about. Thanks for watching everyone, by the way. This is a lot of fun. I like doing it live. I like having people to comment with. <clears throat> we'll do it live. Mm-mm-mm. For those of you listening to just the audio portion after this is live, I apologize, but <clears throat> just giving myself a quick break where normally I could just stop recording, which I guess I technically could for the audio, but I don't feel like it. Um, just give my voice a break real quick, seeing if anyone has anything they want to add. If not, that's fine. I Again, I have stuff to, more stuff to get to. <clears throat> CC Sabathia just got his 3,000th strikeout the other day, last night. For the Yankees, that's pretty cool. Exciting news. <clears throat> New York Giants had an awful draft. I was crying. I wasn't actually, but I was crying on the inside the entire time. One of the worst NFL drafts I've ever watched for one team. I hope Daniel Jones proves me wrong. I hope he's the next Tom Brady, but I don't think he will be. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to go to everyone's favorite topic, the WWE. 
because I like watching wrestling. Professional, oiled up, 30-year-old men fighting each other. And it's scripted, and it's fake, and I love it. And you know what? If you gave it a chance, you would love it too. But you take it too seriously, and that's why you don't enjoy it. And if you just knew that it's goofy, and it's fun, and silly, and it's just for entertainment, and you didn't take it so seriously, I think you'd like it too. I'm not talking to anyone specifically. No one's <clears throat> berating me in the comments right now for watching wrestling. I just that's for that's for all the haters out there, yo. Stop taking yourself so seriously. Um, a couple of notes. There's actually it's mostly just rumors that have been going on re- around recently with the WWE um, that I wanted to address here because they're all pretty interesting. Uh, number one, Brock Lesnar retiring. <gasps> what? Um, Oh man, I wish I had like a soundboard so I could play like a sound clip right now because I just do the Oh my gosh, if Brock Lesnar is retiring for the WWE, that will make me so, so happy. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for him to be gone and not have to deal with another Brock Lesnar universal title reign that lasts nine months and we see him five times that entire time. Gosh, I'm so sick of Brock Lesnar in the WWE. Apparently he's just retiring altogether. Dana White came out today and said that apparently he's retiring from the UFC. And then there's a rumor going around that he also is retiring from the WWE pretty soon because apparently in June he is slated to go... uh, for their Saudi Arabia live event. But um, gosh, I hope he retires. I mean, he's had a good career. He's a great fighter. He brings a lot of money in. He's a, you know, he's a prize fighter, but he legitimately just like takes whatever title he's holding hostage for as long as Vince McMahon gives it to him. Um, And it's just not fair to the WWE fans and universe and people that watch and it's not fair to these guys who are in the prime of their careers missing out on having a title run, um, who are there day in and day out fighting 300, you know, 20 days out of the year. And Brock Lesnar fights 15 times out of the year uh, and gets paid probably five to seven times more than them. Um, I was so happy to see him lose the title at WrestleMania. Um, I just think it's time for him to retire because, you know, you can't blame him for what he's doing. He's making $5 million a year to fight six times on TV and then just do whatever the heck else he wants throughout the year. And he's the champion the entire time. And he gets to pretty much dominate every match he's in and he wins. Why would you turn that down if you're him? It makes sense. But like Vince, stop offering him these insane contracts to just... Have what he, you know, do what he wants. Um, I can't stand it. Um, Yeah, so Lesnar's supposedly retiring, and I hope that happens. Can't wait uh, for him to be out and to be done. Uh, In that similar, in a similar vein, um, Goldberg is slated to make his return to the WWE at that Saudi Arabia live event as well. Um, Why? Huh? Why? No. No thanks. I'm good. Um, hasn't been specified yet what his role is going to be, if he's actually going to fight or if he's just going to be there, kind of make a promo, making maybe make an appearance and just speak or someone and then be on his way, take his paycheck. 
Um, I hope that's what it is. I'm totally fine with that. I never mind a cameo where a legend gets to come back and hit their finisher on some, you know, poorly jobber um, and move on. But if he's here to like have a match with, I don't even know who, probably someone like Drew McIntyre and just like beat him in 20 seconds, that's just going to ruin the event and ruin that person's career. Um, Gosh, I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, But he is confirmed to be going to the event. But again, it's just people, we don't know what his specific role is going to be at that live event. Um, Another one, for those of you who don't know, SmackDown Live. So both shows air on USA, which is under NBC. Um, Their contracts ran out. NBC renewed Raw, but did not want SmackDown. So Fox came in and swooped it. So SmackDown is going to be most likely airing on Fox Sports, if I had to guess. If not, maybe they'll be on the main Fox channel. I doubt it, though. Um, And supposedly they're going to be moving it from two hours to three hours long, which I think is the worst move they could possibly make in acquiring the show. Because the number one complaint with Monday Night Raw is that it's too long. Three hours is too long. They should stick to two hours. Again, it's another business decision though, that makes sense because why would you only have two hours of advertising when you can have three hours of advertising? It's more money. Um, however, reports are coming out now that WWE, Raw, and SmackDown are both at um, historical lows for TV ratings. Um, so, you know, would it make business sense to try to extend SmackDown to... Th- to three hours um, in the climate that they're in right, that they're in right now of not doing well. Uh, I think no. I think they should keep it at two hours because it's a different show just altogether. And I think keeping it at two hours keeps it more succinct. You get to try to pack a little more action into two hours. Um, you don't have to have these dumb fillers of, I swear to God, 30 minutes of Raw every week is just dedicated to recapping what happened 45 minutes ago that same night. Um, I don't care. I don't need that recap. I was watching. If I wasn't, I can read about it the next day on Bleacher Report. Um, All that to be said, though, SmackDown should not go to three hours. I think that's an awful uh, decision by Fox if they are going to do that. Obviously, it's not, you know, set in stone yet what they're going to do. But, um, And then finally, the last kind of note I wanted to hit on, uh, the last rumor. So on Monday Night Raw this past week, the revival were in a very weird and interesting and curious uh, segment. Uh, so, for those of you who don't watch WWE or don't watch it enough, the revival are a tag team of two guys who their name, the revival, speaks to how they're trying to revive old school tag team wrestling, uh, which makes my heart happy. If you heard me talk about WWE before on this show, you know how much I hate modern tag team wrestling in the WWE because it's just two single superstars who for whatever reason they just force them together and like you're a tag team now and we're going to have you be the tag team champions for you know a year why not uh while these other tag teams like the revival who they've been tag teams their entire careers and are so much better than them have better chemistry have cooler moves um don't really ever get a shot um so the revival right now are one of the uh, most sought after tag teams. Their contracts are coming to an end with WWE. A lot of people, there was rumors a couple months ago that they had requested their release. That wasn't true because they're still with the company. Um, but a lot of people thought, you know, as soon as their contracts run up, they are out of there and they're going to go probably to AEW. Well, they'll be trade, uh, 
treated a lot better. Um, and then I think it was the end of last week, or maybe it was even just the beginning of this week, uh, reportedly they were both offered five-year, $2.5 million contracts, so they get 500 k each uh, a year, uh, which is a very lofty contract for tag team wrestlers. Um, but again, WWE is said to be doing everything they can to keep their talent from going to AEW. Um, but the Revival turned those down. And then I think there's another contract that they're offered similar to that. I don't know what the difference was between the two, but they turned both of those down. Um, and so I don't know if they've officially decided or made it known within the WWE that they are leaving for sure when their contracts run up. But supposedly the point of the segment on Raw with them was to utterly humiliate them. Uh, Vince wanted them to feel embarrassed and be humiliated. I guess he's trying to kick them on their way out. I'm not sure. But for those of you who didn't see, <clears throat> the segment was the Usos, who are the best tag team right now in the WWE, were, and they're in a feud right now with the Revival. So they had just finished a match, and they grabbed the mics, and they say, we have something for you that you've never seen before. Uh, this is, you know, crazy. Like, can't believe we got this. You'll never guess. And, you know, they cut to a, a video of earlier in the day. Um, and it's the Usos, like, on their cell phone taking a video. And they're like, hey, we're in the locker room right now. We're walking by the showers. And look what we saw. And then you, they, you know, turn the camera around and show the revival. And it's one of the guys shaving the other guy's back uh, in the showers. You know, they're not, like, naked or anything. Like, they're in towels. But the guy's just, like, shaving his back. And they're just like talking and he's shaving his back. And the Users are giggling like little elementary school boys. Um, and that was it. That was the segment was LOL. You're shaving this guy's back. Um, and I was so shocked when I watched it, but also just so angry because the segment was nothing more than a thinly veiled homophobic joke um, that if you want to say it belonged anywhere, it belonged back in the early 90s in WCW. Um, but it has no place in, like, it just, it wasn't funny. Um, I feel bad for the Usos having to pretend like it was funny and act like they don't do that as well. Um, and I feel bad for the revival that they had to do that and were forced to do that and then act like it was humiliating for them. Um, because, you know, again, every wrestler does that. Let's not act like they don't. They all shave their armpits. They shave their legs. They shave other areas. They shave their backs. They shave their necks. You know, the neck down, you know, neck, chest down, they are like clean shaving unless you're, there's maybe a handful of guys who have uh, chest hair, which is really just a part of their gimmick. Um, but everyone else is like clean shaven. So I'm like, you guys do this too. Why are we like, like, do you think the WWE audience is dumb and doesn't think that that's a thing that they all do? Um, and also like, if that's not the joke, like if it's not the joke, like, oh, that they shave their back, but it's like, oh, he like shaves his back and they shave each other's backs. It's like, well, no, duh. How else are you supposed to shave your back? Like, I can't, like, I can reach this, I can reach to my shoulder blade and then to like, like, I don't want to shave my own back. I want to have a cut up back if I'm doing that. Like, it's smart that they're shaving each other's backs. I'm just like, this was the 
This was more humiliating for Vince and for the WWE creative team than it was for the Revival or the Usos. Like, it was just such a dumb, uh, tone-deaf, stupid segment that had no place on television, especially in the WWE. Um, That really just frustrated me to watch that happen. Um, So, I don't know. That's all I have to say on that situation. But those are those are my notes that I have. Um, NBA playoffs, some WWE rumors. Um, not much else going on in the sports world right now. I mean, again, the NFL just draft just happened. I think. Speaking of that, real quick, I think the Redskins again. I think they had a great draft. Um, I think the Ravens had a great draft. I think the Giants had an awful draft um i think the raiders had a pretty terrible draft so we'll see what happens again there's no way of knowing because you know tom brady was taken in the sixth round in the nfl draft and ended up being the greatest quarterback of all time um chris carter was taken in the supplemental draft and he ended up being one of the best wide receivers of all time um so who knows and there's been plenty of number one pick busts who have done absolutely nothing so, you know, who am I to speak? I'm not a GM. I don't own any teams, so they know better than I. But, gosh, that was frustrating to watch as a Giants fan of just seeing them pick someone who they definitely could have taken at the 17th pick. And I know that they've come out and said, like, no, we know for a fact that there was other teams who said they would have taken Daniel Jones before the 17th pick, so we wouldn't have gotten him. Uh, a, I don't know if I really buy that. Uh, it could have just been a scare tactic into fooling the Giants into taking Daniel Jones at number six. But B, like, that's fine. I still think you could have gotten a better quarterback than him at 17, uh, especially at six, but also at 17. I mean, the guy played at Duke, and he came out with a losing record. Like, how do you play at Duke, have a losing record, and then be the number six draft pick in the NFL draft? Uh, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see, I mean, I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's going to take the team to the playoffs or to a Super Bowl. Um, but I don't know. That's just my two cents. Um, for those of you who are still watching, any other questions or comments you have before I kind of wrap this bad boy up, call it a night. Um, like I've said before, I appreciate you guys sticking sticking around and listening to what I have to say about sports. I like all the comments and questions we've gotten. It's gotten some good discussion out of it. I think, I think I'll definitely do this again. Um, I don't know how often I'll do it, but I had a lot of fun. I think there's, like I said, some really great discussion came out of it. Uh, there were some good questions and, and topics brought up. So I'm definitely going to do it again. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, Anything else? I'll give it like another minute or so just in case people have something they want to add. Um, for those of you listening on the audio portion, let me know if it was awkward um, at all because I was focused more on the live video portion of it. Um, so if it was weird to listen to the audio portion, let me know and I'll try to be more conscious of that next time I do this. But um, maybe next time you should just watch the live video version instead, huh? Why don't you think about that? All right, we're losing viewers here, so I think we're done here. Um, 
So I'll just wrap it up here. Uh, again, thank you everyone who tuned in to the live version. Um, and thank you, uh, dear listener who's listening to this now. I appreciate you sticking around, uh, hearing what I have to say. Um, definitely, you know, come out next time if you can for the next live episode. Um, I did it on the Facebook page for Sports Talk with Swag. So if you're not following already, go to facebook.com slash sports talk with swag. Make sure you like the page so you can be notified next time I go live and do this. Uh, make sure you're following on Twitter. It's uh, at STWScast. Uh, you can follow there so you can make sure um, you see all of the interactions I have on Twitter. Instagram is Sports Talk with Swag. Follow that as well. Um, all three of those are important to follow, especially now because we're in the midst of a series called The Hunt for the Best Sports City of All Time. And... <clears throat> Every new matchup we do, we do a poll on all three social media sites uh, so you can make your voices heard to who you think is the better uh, sports city in that specific matchup. Uh, You guys have just as much say in it as I do and the guest uh, does when we have these uh, matchups and debates and whatnot. Um, So make sure you check those out and you can go back and if you've missed them, you can go back and listen to them now. They're still up. Um, obviously we're still in the first round of that. So make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Uh, so you don't miss those new episodes when they come out, um, you know, or any other podcasting medium that you can find podcasts. You can listen there as well. So follow or subscribe, whatever. Um, so you don't miss any new episodes. Um, you can write in to sports talk swag at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, revisions, suggestions, um, Anything you want to be brought to my attention, I read those emails and I respond right away. Um, But yeah, other than that, again, I want to thank you guys in the live version for coming by and giving me your questions and comments. Thanks for joining me. Uh, For those on the audio, thanks for listening once again. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.